Today on this episode of the Going Deeper podcast, we begin our military campaign into the Holy Land with Jericho. We talk about things like utter destruction, otherwise known as... Halem! Fun Hebrew word. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I've got... Marie Burns. And... Becky Clark. And we'll get to the Harem in just a minute. One chapter this week, but we're covering more than just one chapter because the whole idea of holy war and did God really call them to commit genocide is it kind of gets ushered in because this is the first major battle. So, yeah. yes, we're in one chapter, but there's a much larger topic that needs to be dealt with. Honestly, it'll start here, but we're gonna have to continue the discussion all because it goes all the battles carry all the way through chapter. 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. before we go on to the land grants Mm -hmm. and how all those get decided so but i think this is a pretty significant conversation because i think joshua is one of the books that people have really struggle with the most and we talk about the character of god yet as we read from Joshua chapter 6 kind of on until chapter 11, these battles and what happens in these battles and what happens to the Canaanites and what God is telling the people of God to do is a struggle for us to understand. Yeah. So not that we're going to get full answers here, Mm -mm. but for us to really have a good conversation that (sighs) tries to explore what God is doing here, Mm -hmm. um, for his people what he's not doing Mm -hmm. um and for us to wrestle with these choices that are kind of hard for us to understand not only not only the choices and what god's called them to 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 do but honestly one of my struggles is our our translators choices of words Mm -hmm. that i feel like has lost a lot of the meaning if i'm to understand what happened correctly based on commentaries and interviews with people who are smarter than me. There are words here, there's Hebrew words here that have meanings that's lost. They're not lost, but they're there's there's a fancy word for it that if I were to interpret I'm a Bible. Too tired to come up with right now. <laughs> if I were to interpret a, t- a Bible, I would have maybe chosen different words. <laughs> Because I'm so smart. Which, by the way, if there's anything I've learned in the midst of trying to be a layperson digging into the Bible, it's that I should never climb up on a moral high horse or assume myself smarter than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's when I when I go back to God, this is week three. When I go back to Epic of Eden and Sandy Richter. <laughs> She pulls out these words when we before you even get to dive into the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and one of them is ethnocentric. Yes, and where we try to assume our current culture is better than or elevated above another culture, and it that is something you really have to struggle to leave at the door when it comes to trying to understand potentially the order to wipe out an entire people group, which. I'm not so sure anymore is really what's called for here. Although, in I mean, 
We look at Joshua, but you have to go back to Deuteronomy or even Genesis to get to the beginning of this story because it starts with Abram Mm -hmm. before it's even Abraham. And Genesis 15 Mm -hmm. is where this whole idea comes about. Chapter 15, verse 16, um, God is talking to Abram and he says, You will, however, you, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, this is verse 16. Your descendants will come back here, talking about Canaan, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So we're talking about the land grant the first time. He's saying, it's not for you. It's going to be for your descendants, but not yet, because the sin of the Amorites or the Canaanites has not yet reached its full measure. So there's definitely stuff going on in this land far before. And when we taught Leviticus and we were talking about the the moral code or holiness code or whatever you want to call it, there's a whole lot of sexual sins and mm-hmm. a bad ways to sacrifice to false gods that do include child sacrifice, right. murdering your children. Yeah. That's going on in the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. That God's saying, "You see how they do things? You don't do that." Yeah. Yeah. This is a sin and we don't act this way. You believe in the one true God. Here is how, and we get Leviticus, here's how we will conduct ourselves. All the way down to how we punish one another for sins, which is going to come up in Joshua. But Mm -hmm. it all starts in Genesis, in chapter 15, sort of, with dealing with what's going on in Canaan. This is not just a happy-go-lucky group of people who do no wrong. And, gee, I sure am trying to live the right way. Mm -hmm. We're doing awful things over there. So that's where it starts, Mm -hmm. long before Joshua even comes about. And then you can jump over to, you can find in Deuteronomy a few different places where God's talking to Moses to talk to Joshua, to talk to the people about what their marching orders are going to be like. And that's when you first start finding, or where I, First place I remember finding that Hebrew word we're talking about, which mm-hmm. I think is cherim. Yes. There's a couple of different ways to, that you can put a C at the beginning or just the H-E-R-E-M, mm-hmm. but there's different little inflections about it. And you Mine spit. says H-A-R-E-M. <coughs> and you spit this in your throat. H-A-R-A-M. This is H-A? That's a harem cough. But to go back a little bit towards your ethnocentric use of that word this week... I think in my own reading and studying, uh, the the single idea that has helped me mm-hmm. the most in combating that mm-hmm. is I read Scripture with, uh, I, I guess it would be, I'm always considering that my view is much smaller. Mm-hmm. And I want to read Scripture to help I want God to enlarge in my view closer to His. Mm -hmm. And if something is wrong, Mm -hmm. and I think we said this in week one, if I find something wrong that I disagree with, then then really what I need to do is ask God, enlarge in my view. Mm -hmm. Let me see this bigger. Mm -hmm. And, And if you're not, if I'm not able to see it bigger yet, I'll still just trust that you still see it bigger. Yeah. And then I will say, okay, there's got to be a reason for this, even if I don't understand it. Yeah. So this is the beauty of studying Scripture, and at the same time, the detriment sometimes of Scripture for us as a because 
we read certain things, but don't really take the time to ask and and dwell upon the culture of the time, the intent of God that is really much more far-reaching mm-hmm. and larger than we can comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we read our our culture into and then we get frustrated and then we stop reading or we read scripture just to prove a point Mm -hmm. instead of to learn about and and we hit points within scripture where like what we're going to talk about in regard to holy war and what happens in in the book of joshua of the taking of the land and we say well that just that doesn't line up with my understanding of god and so i'm just not going to read that part yeah or i'm not going to i'm not going to agree with that part i'm not going to accept that part Mm -hmm. and 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 so i'm done (laughs) with that and and what we need to do as people of god is we need to take the time to read scripture, to dig into scripture, to try to understand the culture, which is largely what we are constantly trying to do. It's why we do Bible studies the mm-hmm. way we do Bible mm-hmm. studies. Uh, you know, we don't. Um, we are trying to educate ourselves on the culture of the Bible, mm-hmm. so that we are not the Bible doesn't fit into our culture, right? You know, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and. When we understand their culture, then we get a better glimpse of what God was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And then we ask ourselves, now, how much does our culture reflect that culture? Mm -hmm. Or how much is Mm -hmm. God doing that is similar within the culture that we now live in? You can't just be a cursory reader of the Bible. You know, you have to be an engager of the Bible, but too many people don't engage. And I get it. It's hard. Obviously, it takes work. I mean, we... We spend a lot of time when we're prepping for a Bible study, but in my own personal, like, uh, you know, they say, well, you should read 15 minutes a day at least or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, yes, God can do amazing things mm-hmm. in those 15 minutes and speak to you, mm-hmm. but to try to really understand the story and how you fit in, sometimes it's going to take more committed work. Right. right. You know? And there are some great resources online that are, you may not have access to a library of commentaries or, you know, able to just buy the commentaries when it comes time to study that book of the Bible. But there are commentaries online. Um, You can find John Wesley's notes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on his study of scripture Mm -hmm. online. I I use an app and and not all commentaries, you, you should never just read one. Right. They're not all created equal. They're not all created equal. And just every, even with the best intentions, every author has a goal behind what they write. And so you just have to watch Bible Hub. They have multiple translations of the Bible. They have Strong's Exhaustive Concordance Mm -hmm. linked to it. Mm -hmm. And they have a whole just plethora of commentaries to choose from. Some are written in Old English and are tough to read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. But don't just pick one and say, that's good. I agreed with that. I like it. I'll always read this. Mm-hmm. I, I remember reading through that that one book when we were studying, I don't know if it was Hebrews or Leviticus, and that first week I read it, I was like, this is good. This makes a lot of sense. And the next <laughs> oh, week yeah. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> well, and, and even with the different translations, because we can't assume that every word in yeah. scripture was written with the same goal in mind. Yeah. yeah. Some of it was to be taken literally, some of it was to be taken uh not figuratively necessarily, but but more as a uh 
general guiding principles, you right. know, right? There's symbolism. And, yeah. And there's, yeah. And, and so, when you're choosing uh, a translation to read, even without commentaries and everything, mm-hmm. picking that one that you think, oh, well, I like, like this one because... It gets me the idea of what Scripture was trying to yeah. say. Well, that may be good for certain places in the epistles, mm-hmm. but it may not be good for right. some of these more historical, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. chronological books in yeah. the Old Testament. Right. Yeah. Very true. Use more than one. Use more than one. More than one translation, more than one commentary. Mm-hmm. And if you're really struggling and stumbling, you talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. That's how this all began. Yeah. Yeah. With Leviticus, however, two years ago? How long has it been now? But that it's, was 2018. That was, we did Leviticus. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's how this all began, mm-hmm. was coming and going, uh, I don't know what to do with this. Why does it say this? Why would they do this? So many times so of that. Which, which that's the truth of this, this chapter and yes. what's happening in Joshua. Yeah. So let's, let's jump in because yeah. I guess I have so many questions okay. because no this is a struggle. Yeah. This, this whole struggle of God seems to send, you know, to me, obviously it's quite clear that God is the, the initiator of this battle. He is the one who is kind of leading and guiding god takes jericho because the walls fall down because they're yelling not because they you know but at the end of this chapter and what he's asking the people to do is to destroy everything right how does a god who loves all of his creation how's he okay with destroying everything i mean noah I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about Joshua, we kind of have to go back and talk about. We have to talk about Noah and the fact that, except for one family, he wiped out all of creation. Mm-hmm. There, there are definite flood stories that you find in all manner of translations of of world history that mm-hmm. include floods, and that you have to kind of go back there if you're gonna come mm-hmm. here. In my opinion. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of stall on that Jericho because as we've been, as we've been learning, mm-hmm. something really special does happen here that's unlike any of the other battles that happen. And I think, and I do think it's interesting, and there, there's a point to be made here that mm-hmm. it is only this battle that goes this way. We do find in all of the accounts. In most of the accounts, not everybody's wiped out. Survivors are mentioned all over the place mm-hmm. in the midst of this. And we get back to this idea of that Hebrew word and the meaning behind it. And there, what we've been learning is that there is a very military meaning that goes along with this. Mm-hmm. And then there's there is a secondary, was the term cult meaning almost? Yeah. Like a, mm-hmm. that, that, that talks about it being devoted entirely to God, given entirely over to God. And as we've been researching this and reading about it, God was planning to dwell in this land with his people. Mm -hmm. This was a very sinful area that had been all the way back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. And the land needed to be sanctified. Mm -hmm. 
cleansed, cleansed purified. purified. We, right. we over and over and over again in Leviticus, we go, I had to do the sacrifice. We had to purify and make the place basically habitable for God because we, as sinful creatures, God can't be where there's sin. And so we get sacrifices over and over and over again in Leviticus because they're doing the best they can just to get by at that point. Mm -hmm. And so if God is then going to reside an entire land, Mm -hmm. there has got to be some cleansing. But the more I dig into this, the more I don't believe we need to take the idea of genocide into account. I don't think mm-hmm. that's what God was going for there because there are there there's Rahab. Let's just mm-hmm. start there. There's right. Rahab. She she turned. And they knew. They knew these people were coming. Um before they even circled the city for seven days, yeah. they were out circling the wilderness and having skirmishes with people. These kings talk about knowing about the Red Sea parting. They knew about the Jordan parting a couple of weeks ago. You know, they mm-hmm. they knew there was a God who was powerful, mm-hmm. who was leading these people. I believe they had the opportunity to turn mm-hmm. and proclaim Yahweh. Yeah. And they made a choice. And I know this is a hard concept when you are living in today's time with a you know, this Western culture, we have safety in our country. We, you know, have the ASPCA and we're protecting all the animals and we're doing, you know, we're doing everything hopefully revolves around love, but God is so multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And he, for all the things he is with love and grace and mercy, he is also holy. Yes. And he is righteous. Mm -hmm. And, this is where I go back to making sure I'm not climbing on my moral high horse or or proclaiming myself to be smarter than the theologians who wrote this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that I will never understand his way of thinking. My mm-hmm. ways will never be as high as his ways, and my thinking will never be as high as his thinking. And I know that's not an excuse to make people understand, but I do think when we go into these hard times, you got to start there and recognize yeah. that... We are not smarter than. Mm -hmm. We are different, but we are not smarter. Mm -hmm. And that we need to allow Scripture to change us. Mm -hmm. And I need to get back to your original question, but in a nutshell... What was the question? Well, it has to, you know, well, not maybe not a question, but a statement of (laughs) reconciling what happens here with battle and war and... Mm -hmm. Is holy war even the right term? That's a term that's been assigned to it. But I'm not entirely sure after we've been digging into this yeah. that that is even the correct phrase we should be using to describe this. Yeah, so what what we were talking about earlier this morning is maybe very specifically for Jericho, we would use the term a holy battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and And the reason we would use the term holy is because what we seem to to be seeing if we if we can kind of understand things correctly and the culture and what God is doing is that with Jericho he is making a statement of setting apart the whole of the land mm-hmm. but it starts at Jericho right. as the mm-hmm. symbolic place that yeah. this is this is the holy land that God will dwell in mm-hmm. and so 
this sanctification, this holy place or this holy thing is happening. And there is a battle because once the walls come down, the people of God mm-hmm. go in and they take the land and they slay the people mm-hmm. and such. So there, there is a battle. But war doesn't necessarily seem to be the term as we continue to read mm-hmm. the things that are happening because... Um, I mean, there are other battles, but mm-hmm. what we read or heard from um, from someone else is the um, Crusaders went to holy war, or what they termed holy war. And yeah. this person, this you know, theologian said, really, they were wrong. Yeah, and that's a, probably a whole other conversation of which I yeah. don't know too much about the Crusaders, but. Um, wonder if that term got applied back to what's happening with Joshua. And that's part of the issue of when we take our ethnocentrism Mm -hmm. and we put it into scripture. And and part of the issue here is we're talking about a culture of people who are taking land and defending land who don't own land yet Mm -hmm. they are refugees right they are refugees and we can't we don't live in a society here in the united states Mm -hmm. as a refugee land there are people who come into our land who are refugees but we don't i've never had to take land right i've never had to defend land Mm -hmm. i've never had to fight i I don't live in that culture this culture is very different and Mm -hmm. so i have no right to read the scripture and be um, offended because they're not doing it the way we do it now. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, there are things about it that make me uncomfortable. Sure. But it's not the culture that I live in now. I've got to understand their culture. And the other thing that we heard was um, thinking about the fact that... Um, this culture of people don't do things like have prisoners of war and they don't mm-hmm. take you know that they don't that's not something they utilize they don't have prison right. i mean they do to some degree have prisons but that i think that's even a later thing mm-hmm. i mean paul obviously we know goes to prison whatever <clears throat> right, but, but yeah. these people are, haven't even settled the land no. and they're going to have to learn how to even live in the land even right. though it is plentiful but they, they don't have space to be able to take care of prisoners of war and make right. uh, do things like that. So, no. again, that's a mindset of ours that is not a mindset of this culture. Right. It's an agricultural society. Everybody's yeah. expected to work and be a part. And there simply isn't room. There isn't the fun, there's not the funding or the space mm-hmm. or the time to deal with a yeah. prisoner. Which is why you get a lot of indentured servitude mm-hmm. as a way to deal with it. And there's, there is plenty of that that comes into Joshua. Not even just indentured servitude, but assimilation, which this day and age, we hate that word. But back then, mm-hmm. it was different. And, yeah. and plenty of people did come into the Israelite culture. We get Before you even take the land, you hear about sojourners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Foreigners and sojourners living among you. And making sure, like we were talking about last week, if you want, if they want to participate in the Passover, they can. They just have to be circumcised first. Wait a minute, you're going to let foreigners yeah. mm-hmm. participate in Passover? I thought the Israelites were the elite group, but that can't be the 
uh, that wasn't the intent of Jesus of of God anyway. That mm-hmm. the intent of God of moving the people into the promised land, though He was fulfilling a promise, was that the Israelites were the example of who God is for the transformation of the world. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. It so with them. we're hoping to assimilate every other person who is not an Israelite into yes monotheism. Mm-hmm. The the worship. And understanding that Yahweh is the only true God. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we always want assimilation. Mm-hmm. God always wanted assimilation. Right. He made. Yeah. He made. Uh, he made. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, he made sure that there there was understanding of how to do that. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's opening for that. And we mm-hmm. talked about that with with Rahab, and I think we talked about it a little bit last week of the struggle of so. God seems to have made allowances and had an open door of anyone in the Can- of the Canaanite culture could accept him yes. mm-hmm. and would be saved. Yes. And we struggled as we read Joshua before we started really digging in. Mm-hmm. We got to like the end of the book and we're like, wait a minute, there's all these other people who are not Canaanites. And I yeah. thought that they had... Um, utterly destroyed all the Canaanites, but there are all these Canaanites listed. Where the heck did they come from? Why are they here? They're not supposed to be here. The land is supposed to be completely purged. We read it incorrectly in some ways Mm -hmm. with the expectation that God was destroying everything. But God, that seems to, the more I read about it, the more I'm like, I was throwing out the culture and the the character of God yes. to some degree yeah. yes. uh-huh. and putting a limit too. putting a limit on him. Uh-huh. Me too. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. There's it's funny somewhere else somewhere later in Joshua and I'm sorry I've been all over the place. <laughs> I can't remember exactly where it is anymore. Joshua says to the people it might have been Josh. Listen, I've been all over Deuteronomy. <laughs> somewhere in here I'll find it in a minute because it's actually I think it's in the commentary I I, I brought up here with me. Joshua says, and it could have been Moses, sorry, don't go thinking you accomplished this based on your own righteousness. Uh-huh. You didn't do anything. This is not you. This was God. Right. Don't go thinking, because we're talking about the, we, I would think about the Israelites as like top shelf, top tier. We strive to be like them. And really, no, we mm-hmm. strive to be like God right. and get adopted into the family. Mm-hmm. Um but but they they get warned. Don't go thinking this was you that did this. Yeah. You do not have this land because of some great righteousness that's found within you. You have this land because God gave it to you. And we were reminded of the suzerain vassal treaty that that's mm-hmm. the kind of covenant they entered into with God. And mm-hmm. part of being the vassal, the smaller party in the agreement, was a land grant. Mm-hmm. And here we go. It was as we've already covered. It was God's to give. And that's the other thing we have to keep in mind. He was allowing the Canaanites mm-hmm. to live there. Then he allowed the Israelites to live there. And what happened? After the kingdom split, mm-hmm. he let it go on for a long time. But northern and southern kings kingdoms both got kicked out of their land yeah. into exile. It's God's to give and it's God's to take away. Yeah. And plenty of the Israelites mm-hmm. died because of their sinful nature. Mm-hmm. So... Well, you make a point of. Uh, I'm going to kind of roundabout because I want us to talk about something. When he, when the northern and the southern kingdom kind of are just, they're lost really mm-hmm. to the people of God. 
Eventually, though, the intent is, has always been for the people of God to have the promised land. Yes. So he mm-hmm. brings them back mm-hmm. from, kingdom, yeah. that's right, from, from captivity. He brings them back to rebuild in this land. Uh-huh. Why doesn't he pick another space, another land? And I'm yeah. getting to that because this is what we, this is the other thing that was mentioned in a video that we watched mm-hmm. about where the, the heaven and the earth collide here umphalas. yes such a good word yes <laughs> say it again umphalas the umphalas i don't which, know how to spell it but i don't either i just heard it said which, over and over and was like that's fascinating which in my understanding is where is is the kind of the the place where heaven and earth they intercede connect. together which is the understanding of what will happen when Christ comes back, when uh-huh. the when mm-hmm. when the kingdom is rebuilt, what happened between in Eden too, right? Where mm-hmm. heaven and earth come together, where yes. God comes to dwell with humanity. Mm-hmm. The idea is the land, the promised land, is that place as well. Yeah. And we lost it multiple times, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And in in Revelation, we're going to, Jesus is going to come back and bring us back to the what? Uh, the umphala. The umphala, where the heaven and yes. earth collide together, where the heavenly mm-hmm. and, and humanity are intersect. intersect. Yeah. Um, and so, to me, that's pretty powerful to think about. That's, that's what the people of God are doing when they take Jericho where God is directing them and then when they take the land. So it puts a different bent to some degree yes. of what happens at the Battle of Jericho. Mm-hmm. And though it is still hard for me to kind of sit in the fact that um, God takes out this whole people group in Jericho. I mean, mm-hmm. it says everything is utterly destroyed. That Jericho is one of the one of three places where we yeah. know definitively everybody died. <gasps> right, man, woman, child, animal, all that kind of stuff, and then they burn everything to the ground. Yes. But the idea is that it's the setting forth of this place that mm-hmm. God has ordained as where heaven and earth will intersect mm-hmm. where he will dwell mm-hmm. with his people and then we screwed that up yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and we keep kind of screwing it up mm-hmm. and yet still the promise is there that there's going to be a place again where heaven and earth mm-hmm. intersect where the holy dwells mm-hmm. with the people of god mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so i read jericho differently then yeah well the, the fascinating thing about jericho is I mean, yes, we get the shout and the wall falls down, and that's really cool. But you gotta even you gotta take a step back and recognize that not only was the ark there, the priests were there. Mm-hmm. The priests are not military men. Mm-hmm. That is not what their tribe was was created for. Mm-hmm. They were created for the worship of God specifically and to lead the others into that. So the fact that they're there and only in this battle tells us something's different here. Something special is happening right. here, mm-hmm. and it's. It's our first battle. The very presence of God has gone to battle with them, with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. It's the priests that blow the horn, the priests that lead the shout, all join in. Mm -hmm. And then the military people, the military men, head into the city once the walls fall. This doesn't happen any other place Mm -hmm. in Joshua. It's just here. So that 
definitely draws out the the battle of Jericho. It wasn't Joshua that fit the battle of Jericho. It, yeah, was, it was God. It was God. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That, that took care of that one. And uh, you've you've heard the the science-y people who want God and science to just mesh beautifully. God made science. We're going to go back to that. Because remember with the the Jordan River, and we've mm-hmm. got, well, there were earthquakes back then, and, you know, <laughs> that's how you explain it. There were people who were going to tell you that when they marched around the city, they made the walls unstable. It was all that marching and marching. They were oh, walking yeah. around the city. That's it, y'all. It's yeah, not no. some major thing that happened. <laughs> I've been to the Holy Land. Like, yeah. I don't think a group of people can shake the, the right. large stones yeah. that they use no, to make fortified walls. That, and in my very immature mind, I bought it. Yeah. And then as time went by, I realized there is something absolutely beautiful in the miracles of God. Even mm-hmm. though it was leading into war, the mm-hmm. kind of power and might that he's that he can accomplish. When he goes to battle for his people, it's like, you just need to let a miracle be a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no need to explain this and bring science into it. Mm-hmm. Well, come on. The the outside walls, it says here, were only six feet thick. I mean, come on. Only six only feet. Six Surely feet all thick. that walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were so many of them. So, let like, it go, y'all. thousands and thousands it's... and thousands. Surely that could... My God Crumble a wall. is strong enough. <laughs> I don't need science. Yeah. If you tell me he damned a river, he damned a river. If you tell me God pulled down walls, he pulled down walls. Yes. It's simple as that for me. Not so. just tumbled them down, laid down flat and is what it says. And the tumbling down. Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the little preschool song. I know. <laughs> Did they really tumble? No, they fell know. flat. They fell flat. That's yeah. It says it. Twice uh-huh. there, doesn't it? They, that one of the commentators, yeah. I think it was this one, was like, they didn't go out, they didn't go in, they went down. They mm-hmm. crumpled out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just yeah, devastated. Yeah, and I think if this goes back to Epic of Eden, <laughs> again, um, we... She needs to financially support us at this point. We've right? like mentioned her so uh-huh. many times. Just, if you if you haven't already, go get Epic of Eden. That's but she mentions in the video thing. Bible study series that when they excavated Jericho, the walls had not been battering rammed down mm, towards right. the inside. That they had fallen, like... Did they fall out? She or? says that they fell out, but it wasn't a, a caving in. Like oh, I see what you the mean. The people yeah. on the outside pushing, pushing the walls man. down. Right. It was, it was yeah. God's might and power that mm-hmm. leveled the walls. Oh. And, and the, the walls were down in a different fashion than you would see right. in a great military battle mm-hmm. where the soldiers tear the walls down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go watch Epic of Eden. <laughs> so good. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. <laughs> okay, so then here's my question okay. for you to answer. If, if God can take the walls down. Mm-hmm. Why did the people, why did everyone in Jericho have to die, though? Well, I think you get back to the the sanctification of the land. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the idea of the umphalus, and if mm-hmm. God is going to reside in this land, <clears throat> it does have to be mm-hmm. cleansed. But I do think there's also, they, there were maybe three cities that, this was done to where they where where every man, woman, and child, every living thing, mm-hmm. are killed, and then the city is burned. Mm-hmm. And in the rest of the instances, they are less about the city and more like a field battle, is what we were mm-hmm. learning. So, well, and 
one thing that I'm seeing here, uh, especially in this, and if I want to read this kind of like I would read a story, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it, I don't know the stuff that comes after it yet. Mm-hmm. I know this, and mm-hmm. I see that in both the translations I have here, the same it's translated the same way, that utter destruction. Mm-hmm. That word we were talking about, the harim. I sound kind of silly saying it, I think. Uh, <laughs> trying to sound smarter than I am. But even their plunder and loot and everything that they get, all of it is dedicated to the Lord. Yes. And I, I think whenever you're dealing with this idea of utterly destroyed because mm-hmm. that's in all of the places that we see it it either says set apart mm-hmm. or utterly destroyed whenever mm-hmm. this word is used as far as I've read in in the the, the references for it mm-hmm. and so that means that the people have no chance no opportunity to take any kind of ownership right of anything that they've done mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and <clears throat> for you to utterly destroy a city like that yeah it's got to be completely destroyed people mm-hmm. and all which sounds horrible it from our mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. but golly it they cannot take ownership even like the indentured servitude and everything right. that you're saying that that comes along in subsequent mm-hmm. chapters God says, right. no, this one, the whole thing mm-hmm. is essentially set apart, sacrificed, sacrificed. Yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there is a curse that's leveled at the end yeah. of chapter three. Mm-hmm. If anybody tries to rebuild this city, mm-hmm. you sacrifice your firstborn child. They will yeah. die. If you try to put these walls back up, your youngest is dead. This is this is holy and completely gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and meaning like this, this land is... Uh, to go back to last week, this utterly destroyed land, this leveled space, is now a, a space of remembrance mm-hmm. of what God yeah. has done. So anytime you pass by the place where Jericho was, yeah. you remember mm-hmm. what what God did at this yeah. place. You you can't rebuild upon it because then you can't remember it. Yeah. It gets hidden. Mm, and that's- and just as a this just occurred to me and I'm like jumping ahead now because I'm doing I'm doing AI next week. That's yeah. what we're talking about. But Bethel AI, however we talk about it, we'll talk about that part next week once I do a little more studying. <laughs> They'd utterly destroy that land. Yeah. I wonder if the reason that they utterly destroy that land is because they didn't actually do exactly what they were supposed to do at Jericho because what we find out spoiler alert is that one guy takes some of the things that was supposed to be devoted to God and Uh he hides them so that the full sanctification of the land and the place that's supposed to be remembered has has been defiled yeah and so it's not fully sanctified and holy. So then they go into battle at AI. They lose the first battle. They find out. Then God tells them a guy didn't do what he was supposed to do. And they have to take care of him, which we'll talk about. And then then they go back in and they utterly destroy. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the intent initially was not supposed to destroy, utterly destroy AI, but they had to because they didn't actually do what they were supposed Mm -hmm. to do at Jericho to take... 
all the to do to to set that land apart. Maybe they, but they totally destroy Hutsor later. Yeah, I don't know. We hadn't got there yet. No, I don't know. That's chapter eleven. We, we gotta figure that one out later. <laughs> there, there needed. There had to be a reason that there were. That there were specifically three. Mm-hmm. At least three recorded that we know of. Three is a good number, and we all know in the Old Testament specifically, numbers are very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are three. They are meant for symbolism. I don't know. I, the I cities themselves, uh, not the numbers. I didn't bring this up earlier, but uh, in, in a, our earlier conversation, and as y'all were watching that video, the little part that I saw, and we get to Hazor. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in chapter I'm, 11. It's in chapter yeah. 11. Yeah. But this is, That's again, where, where translations and things come into play. Yeah. But one of the meanings of that word is castle. And so part of me thought, hmm, not only is it a uh, theological thing here, mm-hmm. it could also be a tactical thing here. Because mm-hmm. if you take down the castle, which would be like the central... Your, your hub mm-hmm. or, or your, your central seat of power, that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a lot easier time with the outlying lands because your, your yeah. castle mm-hmm. has been sacked. Well, and there are plenty of times where it's <laughs> recorded what happens to the kings. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, it's, it's once you've got the king, yeah. every, the, you You've cut the head off the snake, so to but speak. But didn't the video we watched say that Hazor, the king of Hazor, was the kind of leading king of all of those other kings mm-hmm. that had yeah. joined together? Mm-hmm. So you're making an example in this one place. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess ultimately the point is, is that if we read Joshua carefully, the... The assumption is, if we're not reading it very carefully, the assumption is that God has come in and told the people to destroy every person in Canaan. Right. A careful reading would, I if, if I am understanding correctly from some of the things that we've read and watched and talked about, is that that is not true. Mm-hmm. There were only three places where everyone is, the people of God are told to destroy everyone and everything, yeah. not all of Canaan. Mm-hmm. God extends grace to the people to either assimilate or become uh, indentured servants. So mm-hmm. the, the other it's slaves, but slaves that like, I think scripture tells us um, slaves that eventually can work themselves out of mm-hmm. slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never was never the intent for them to be slaves their whole life because we've got things like um, the year of Jubilee. Yeah. Right. Where you're supposed to be released and restored. And we, as far as I understand, actually have no biblical proof from what we have of the right. Bible that that actually transpired. Right. So we did against what God said. Yes. We continued to put people in slavery and hold mm-hmm. them in slavery, and that was not even the intent for the right. Canaanites. Yeah. And if you're looking for more information on the year of Jubilee, you can go listen, watch our uh, Leviticus study. You can. Just go watch uh, the Leviticus well, study in general. <laughs> maybe we'll put a link to that episode or that session. <laughs> I can't remember what chapter that was. That was our first outing with video recording. That one was a little rough. You know, there's kind of a couple of thoughts that have occurred to me. One is we talk about Jericho and the sacrifice and the symbolism that goes Mm -hmm. with it. 
there's also grace there with Rahab and her family. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, God of the Old Testament gets a bad rap from the way our modern-day readers mm-hmm. look at the Old Testament. He's so mean, and it's smite this and smite that, and we have this, we have grace mm-hmm. we for have Rahab grace. right here. I mean, we have grace before they even cut covenant with him. Mm-hmm. You can go back to the fact that he rescued them out of slavery brought them across the red sea and started providing manna for them i think even maybe or maybe i've got that out of order but anyway he's providing for them already he's they they are given a shot at a new life before he ever cuts covenant with them so grace follows Mm -hmm. it's a thread throughout the entirety of your bible even your old testament and so we have that with rahab here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and of course, we talked about her week before last, but yeah. before she even really totally understood, she took a great step in the right direction, and we shouldn't go trying to put too much on her and make her something she's not. She was yeah. a sinner who recognized she did exactly what I think God was going for. Yeah. She's watching these guys go out in the wilderness, and she's going, ooh, their God is stronger than my God. There's something mm-hmm. different here. Yeah. There's something special here, maybe even. Right. And so there is room for that here. There is room for assimilation. And in fact, in one of the chapters that we'll get to in Joshua, and it's talking about a battle that took place, we are told of survivors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it says Joshua completely uh, destroyed. It was all devoted entirely to God to destruction. Mm-hmm. But there's survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to we have to watch for that stuff and how we read and recognize okay maybe there's more to it than just face value he didn't mm-hmm. devote it entirely to destruction we have survivors mm-hmm. so we need to watch kind of we have to watch for those kind of things and ask mm-hmm. questions when we see them and say maybe this right. isn't what I initially thought when mm-hmm. I went into this mm-hmm. the God of the Old Testament wasn't so mean and grumpy no but, but what we have Holy. to remember though that I think um we soften too much when we get to maybe the New Testament. Or what mm. we want to really hold on to as people of God is um, is just the grace mm-hmm. of God. And But you can't have grace with also having justice. You can't fully understand grace yeah. without having justice. And and God is both of those things. Mm-hmm. And we don't like to talk about that. We But sin... Mm-hmm going back to like the very base of whatever sin is the is the separation between us and the holy and the holy is god mm-hmm. and with sin there is death there is death of some kind of understanding there is death of relationship and sometimes there is physical mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. Yeah. and so for the Canaanites of Jericho who we learn honestly from Rahab have the opportunity to choose Yahweh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's looking back, that was maybe the most important point of, of sharing her story mm-hmm. yeah. is that it shows that all of Jericho did not have to die. Right. They had a choice and they could have, left Mm -hmm. Jericho. They knew the people were coming. Or they could have assimilated in some way, which is what Rahab did. 
But they chose to continue to live into their sin, which Mm -hmm. at this point of the judgment of God brought physical death. Mm -hmm. Well, and not only that, we brought up the king of Hatsor. They marched out against the Israelites, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I'm not. They go out against. They go out purposefully, and maybe that's part of the reaction to Hetzor. Is if you march Mm -hmm. against God and His people, Mm -hmm. you're going to be handled. Mm -hmm. So, you know that they they went they went seeking that fight. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying. I mean, I know people are going to say, "Well, is that an excuse for genocide?" And again, I I don't think we're talking about genocide here. I think that word is misused here, Mm -hmm. but. They are they they definitely sought that battle out, and I I do wonder mm-hmm. how differently that campaign would have gone mm-hmm. had had the Israelites moved up in there to take it as their inheritance. Would things have gone differently? I don't mm-hmm. know. Would we have had three cities or only two cities that were devoted entirely well, to destruction? And then it goes back to: Would we have only had one mm-hmm. if they had not that one guy had not? gone against yeah. what Yahweh said to do. And and we will we will never know the answer to that because what we have is the story. What we yeah. have is what actually happened. I mean, you know, if we understand of what right. has actually happened. Yeah. And there was this guy who took who did what he wasn't supposed to do and therefore the sin of one mm-hmm. is the the sin of of can be the sin of many and but but to me, this is one of the things about Scripture and about God that we do, just don't like to – we don't like to see or talk about mm-hmm. is that God is not a wrathful God in the right. sense of like he just – he doesn't do things just to be mean or anything mm-hmm. like that. But there is holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is holy and sin – cannot stand in the midst of holy and mm-hmm. we choose that right and we choose to be separated therefore there is the uncomfortableness of judgment mm-hmm. yeah and when you choose the the sinful the judgment is mm-hmm. yeah what well, you can't have my way of thinking you can't have holiness without wrath and when I say holiness, I mean not not the level of holiness that right, I right. achieve. The yeah. holiness of God. Right. You can't have that mm-hmm. without the wrath of God. And, because... And I, what I would say is wrath of like, he doesn't do it in anger just to be right, angry. Right. If there was no it's a wrath... It's righteous intent. Righteous yeah. intent. If there was no wrath, then we would serve an ordinary God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't serve... We don't follow an ordinary God. Mm-hmm. We serve and follow a holy God mm-hmm. whose ways are higher than ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I remembered there was a New Testament reference to our Hebrew word, and now I can't remember where I saw Which it. Which Hebrew word? That cherim. Yes. There's a, there's a New Testament reference. You want me to find it? Is it in Revelation? Is that, no, no, it's Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. Yeah, I think it's in Matthew, and I'm, I'm Jesus having... only talks about love. <laughs> utterly, that was utterly uh, sarcastic. Oh, there's the, I did find that reference to "Don't think you accomplish this yourselves." It's in Deuteronomy chapter mm-hmm. nine. Don't don't go thinking you got the promised land because you did We're something have to great. Study Deuteronomy next. <laughs> so That's a things. big book. It is a big book. It's. 
Yes. We'll, Man. we'll study some of that, though, with E100 coming up. We will study some of that. Slight uh, we'll read, yeah. spoiler for what's coming up after Joshua. Mm-hmm. We have we have that, and then we also, uh, if you don't, I don't know, spoiler alerts, <laughs> Pastor Doug is going to talk to us about how to read the Bible. Yeah, and that's, of course, that's going to be a part of uh, future conversations mm-hmm. that we have uh, going forward with E100, which... Uh, Y'all, the listeners out there, will be hearing a lot more about that soon. Uh, It's, yes, there's a lot of excitement on the staff here at Trinity about Mm -hmm. E100. Yeah. Well, I can't find it. I'll find it. I'll try to bring it with me Thursday when I teach. Because I think it's important to look ahead. If you're going to argue that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are one and the same, including Jesus, you need to see where that word picks up again in the New Testament. But yes, in Revelation, you do get a white horse and a rider on it mm-hmm. and he's got a specific purpose when he comes back mm-hmm. and and it is it's it is holy yes it is holy it is mm-hmm. it's, it's not to play patty fingers no it's to take the land and take the people yeah and you mm-hmm. and the people will have a choice just as the Canaanites did yeah and if they choose not to follow the God of all creation and submit to them there will be separation, and it will be physical. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it will yeah. be death. There is reference to blood flowing. So yes, yes. Um, I'll find I'll find that and bring it Thursday when uh, when we actually do the the teaching. Okay. But well, I don't think we're in any way like fully done with this conversation, but no. we will continue it as we. When we talk about the battle next week, when mm-hmm. we talk about when we get to uh, Hazar or whatever Hazar or whatever it's called Hazor, in chapter eleven, Hazor, yes. And then I'm just going to butcher the words. Um, as they continue to take the land, we will continue to kind of have this conversation. Yes. It will be the thread through the rest mm-hmm. of. Um, it's through chapter what, 11 or something, right? Yeah. I think so. And then once they take the land, there's a transition in the book of Joshua from the taking of the land to kind of the distribution mm-hmm. of the land to the people of God. And, um, and and really, so when people say, well, the book of Joshua is just all about all these wars. And no, actually, no, it's not. It's, not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's 20, 23, 24 chapters, and only 11 of them are, are about. actually about battles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, the rest are about the giving of the the land, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the distribution. So I think it's very specific. It does, it does, and I think that'll go back. I think we will probably come back to this conversation of Jericho even then. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this conversation for this week. To be continued in the weeks to come. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see y'all next time.